This is the Humans of Gaming Podcast, an open and honest conversation about games, life, and belief. Welcome to Humans Gaming. I'm Drew Dixon, and I'm the chief content nerd of Love Thy Nerd, and I'm joined with Chris Gwaltney. By Chris Gwaltney. Chris Gwaltney. <laughs> Quis Gwaltney. Quis. Hey, Quis. Man, if I had a nickel for every time that happens when people try to say my first and last name, I'd have at least like a dollar. Oh, really? But I'm, people yeah, struggle it happens with your a lot. name. Well, because it, it because it's Chris Gwaltney, but if you just try to run it together, it always comes out Quis. Ah. Uh. I think that's the Which only time I've ever sounds, done that. But sounds really cute, but oh. it's also weird. Yeah. But I'm I'm Chris Gwaltney. I'm the chief executive nerd for Love Thy Nerd and co-host with Drew. Yeah. Um, you having a good week? Uh, too soon to tell. Yeah, it's just but my day. Yeah, I think it's fine. When we're recording it's this, Christmas time. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't know when this will come out, but we're in the thick of the Christmas times. Yeah. You uh, you gonna be traveling for Christmas or or staking it out there? No, thank the Lord. Yeah, uh, we're just staying here, which is nice. Like it's bittersweet because we don't get to see family and stuff, but it's kind of cool just for me and Ashley to chill out and not have to do anything yeah. and just like eat cinnamon rolls and <laughs> open presents. Is that or your something? tradition? Cinnamon That'd rolls at Christmas? Yeah, I mean, I guess if we have, yeah, I think so. Sure, yeah, yeah, yes. It's like a good tradition. I like cinnamon rolls. Uh, so we have a special guest, and that's Brett Vance. Hey, Brett, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And so people might know you from Cyanide and Happiness. You got you made a game with Cyanide and Happiness called Joking Hazard. Um, yeah. What else would? How would you frame yourself for our listeners? Um, easiest easiest way to describe it is marketing. Um, but so technically that's my job title is marketing director. Um, but I do a lot more than just that. I do a lot of content creation, um, a lot of videography, photography, um, and a whole lot of <laughs> other miscellaneous stuffs. If, uh, yeah. if there's something that needs to be done, I'm one of the, one of the top people that they come to for. So awesome. you're the cool. closer. Yeah. I'm always be closing. That's <laughs> That's going to be your new title, Always Be Closing. I feel like there's some people that, you know, for whatever reason, maybe haven't come across Sign and Happiness or listening to this. I feel like most of our listeners will be familiar with what that is, but could you frame that for our listeners? What is Cyanide and Happiness? Cyanide and Happiness is um, actually in and of itself, Cyanide and Happiness is an intellectual property owned by our parent company, Explosum. Explosum is an entertainment company. Uh, we produce uh, daily web comics, uh, animated shorts. We're the largest animated channel on YouTube. We have um, three seasons of a show on VRV, and we have two other shows and two other streaming services. We're producing currently in development two video games, and we have one board game. Oh wow! I know you guys were so not not much. I not know, much. What uh, what video games are you all working on? Can you talk about those? Uh, yeah, so we have one that it was kickstarted um, late last year uh, called Freak Apocalypse, and it is a uh, point-and-click adventure game. 
and so we're we're getting ready to release chapter one very soon um we're, we're just you know cleaning up some stuff uh the second video game is a uh, battle royale and it, so it's a top-down isometric battle royale so it's a little little different than a traditional first-person shooter um really fun that is currently in early access uh, which you can grab from Steam for it's on PC only right now, uh, and that is called Rapture Rejects. Rapture Rejects, that's right. So that's got <laughs> some uh, fun theme to it. Yeah. So is the... uh, is Kirk Cameron in it? <laughs> no, no. Luck, luckily no, not. Un- I mean, unplay- unplayable. Oh yeah. Luck- luckily not. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, but tell us how that's like. How does the Rapture play into to this this game? Yeah, so Rapture rejects. Uh, the premise of the game is um, God has another regretful moment about humanity, and decides to go ahead and just end it all. Um, and everybody who didn't get raptured is obviously very unhappy about this, and so God has decided that whomever is the last person standing gets a golden ticket to heaven. So, so you are fighting Great. for your place to heaven, um, amongst all the other rapture rejects. Nice hunger games. Basically. So, and it's like 2d top down. Is that what we said? So like kind of like a, like a old school grand theft auto feel or how does it, it is, uh, so it's a 2d isometric. So it's like a top oh, down. Okay. So it's kind of, you know, you, you move the four directions, but. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, so you're able to move obviously in, um, it, it feels very like you're moving in 3d space. You're actually able to rotate the camera around your, your character so you can get different vantage points as well. Um, okay. but, um, yeah, it, it would be the, the isometric top down. Uh, how's that, how's that been received so far? Uh, so far it's been really well received. Most of the criticism is, items we are already planning it's you know it's early access so our items we're already planning on addressing uh or issues with low um low player base so long wait times small small rooms that type of thing yeah yeah that's cool well i'm excited to check it out myself uh matt uh sent me a code that i think you uh you were going to share that that's for me from you so thank you yes yes <laughs> i'm gonna be i'm gonna definitely gonna be playing that now that i have some time uh with some time off for christmas gonna be playing that soon so let me know what you think yeah definitely so um so yeah and so did did i get that wrong were you involved in actually making Joking Hazard or mostly on the marketing end? Primarily on the marketing end. Um, okay. I, I joined after it was funded on Kickstarter. Um, okay, cool. Right cool. around the time they were fulfilling, but I have helped, you know, write cards and yeah. work on mechanics and stuff like that. Um, down the kind of, you know, as the game has progressed and. Uh, so still very very active in it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was like one of the biggest. Like the initial Joking Hazard was one of the biggest Kickstarter success stories, right? Like it was. In it the was card defi- game space. It was definitely up there. Um, we were second only to Exploding Kittens for quite a while, and then I believe yeah. Exploding Kittens has been supplanted as number one or surpassed uh, already. So. Um, so I think we're somewhere around third or fourth or something like that. Yeah, um, that's cool. It was it was really well received. People still really love the game. Um, 
so we we play it weekly and have a lot of fun with it at your office you guys play it regularly yep yep obviously you know to keep on top of it also testing out new cards um you know seeing if we can find something we're constantly surprised by new combo card combos that um that we hadn't necessarily seen that are actually really good so um that that happens at least once a week so that's cool so like that's just always like astounding to me when we talk to developers and like that they play you know i mean play testing games is like there's guys that do it hundreds and hundreds of times and don't get bored Mm -hmm. like that's amazing to me because i get bored after playing a game like just a couple times so (laughs) what's the secret what am i missing um i think for us, we are either testing new cards. I think environment is very helpful. Um, you know, it, it's part of part of the job. So um, rather than, oh, I could be doing something else mentality, it's, uh, hey, I, I get to get paid to play a card game right now. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> okay, that, that helps. Yeah. And then um, <laughs> we're also we're also probably playing differently than most people were trying to intentionally break the game. We're testing out new cards. So we're, we're usually throwing kind of a, a, a stick in the wheels uh, to, to see what we can do uh, to yeah. change it up, make it better, maybe offer up alternate rules. Um, you know, that, that type of thing. And this is a game, like, I feel like we should probably frame it a little bit for our listeners. Um, cause cyanide and happiness is not just like any old web comic, right? Like it's, <laughs> it is adult humored. <laughs> yeah. Like pretty, to say the least, pretty heavy and pretty dark, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the guys, the, the original three creators still do a bulk majority of all the writing uh and they're known for adult slash dark humor kind of no topic being out of bounds uh and they're really well known for that yeah yeah that's cool uh well sometimes it's cool i guess it could also (laughs) be dangerous no uh do you ever like because there's like obviously i mean you just go to your website and you see some pretty like some obviously like you're trying to push the envelope a little bit have you ever played with people like because y'all are playing all the time do you ever play it and go like whoa that was that was too far or is kind of the mentality just like that's the point just to find that place that's too far or whatever um personally um there's been things that i'm like oh man that's that's really kind of pushing the envelope in general um the kind of the the stock answer the guys give because they get asked a lot is there anything you won't make a joke about and their general response Mm -hmm. is if it's funny and we think it's funny we will share it yeah and so if it's they don't share it it's not because they don't particularly find it it's because they don't particularly find it funny as opposed to finding it too offensive or anything like that Uh, i will say that we do generally shy away from making fun of specific people or specific people groups um yeah as a general rule of thumb now you know you know we, we might make fun of nazis and we're we're okay with that but um while they might poke fun at um religion or something like that it's usually just the general idea or something in good nature rather than like a direct you're stupid if you believe these things Right, yeah, or a direct insult against like 
Muhammad or Jesus or something. Right, right. Yeah, that's cool. I appreciate that. Uh, so, uh, Chris, you want to ask this question from our community before we jump in here? Oh, Brilliant. sure. So, every we try to do it for every podcast. Um, we give the opportunity for one of our monthly supporters to either come on to the podcast with us and ask our guest a question or um, we'll ask the question on their behalf. So today's question actually comes from Jamila. And what's kind of here's a little fun fact about Jamila is that she's the one that actually came up with the name for our organization. Oh, that's cool. Like we we put a yeah, we just kind of put it out there in our community. Like when we were starting first starting this thing, literally the name of it was working title. Because <laughs> we didn't have any, we didn't know what to call it, and so we put it out there to our community. And I think back then it was like you know a few hundred people, and you know there were all kinds of like name suggestions. Honestly, most of them were bad. Um, but Jamila, there she was, love thy nerd, and we were like, that's the one. That's awesome. Um, anyway, that has nothing to do with her question. So here's her. Uh, here's what she wrote for you, Brett. Okay. Uh, first of all, she said, "I flip and love this game." I think my question would be, what brought on the idea of a game based off cyanide and happiness? What was the process on the concept? Was it a, I know exactly what I want this game to be? Or, okay, let's say we make a game. Are we crazy? Will it succeed? Where do we go from here? So I know there was probably more than one question there. But I think just the general, like, where did this come from? How did this come to be? Sure. Uh, So... Joking Hazard was uh, the brainchild of Rob Denblecker, who's one of the one of the uh, creators of Cyanide and Happiness. Um, and it started actually. We have a random comic generator. If you go to explosum.net slash rcg, like random comic generator, um, you can you can do this, and and it's got hundreds of panels. And you just click random and it creates these random comics. And uh, at one point, Rob just kind of like it clicked for him. This could be playable. Um, And so like everybody else, we decided to rip off Cards Against Humanity. And uh, (laughs) and we ripped uh, off Apples versus Apples. (laughs) Exactly. Everybody, everybody, when we that's my my stock response. Yeah. When people make say we ripped off Cards Against Humanity, I say, man, it really sucks when we worked really hard to make an apples to apples ripoff and we get paid for our <laughs> Cards Against Humanity. That's right. Yep. Um, screw them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're lovely people, but screw them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, that it, it came out of that, and um, and Rob built. Well, hey, uh, I just I just made a random comic. <laughs> And here it is. Why are you looking at me like that? I have balls too. You are the best brother in the world. <laughs> Random comic generator. Did, there you so go. So go to Explos. I need to do this now too. Explosion.net slash RCG. RCG. Okay. Sorry, you were we'll actually wait. answering a question here. No worries. No worries. No, this is this is important. Yeah, it feels important. It's very important. Um, yeah, so we uh, so Rob Rob was like, man, this is this would make a good game. So he kind of made some made some prototype versions, basically just printed out the panels from the random comic generator, and uh, you know went went from there, uh, testing 
testing what uh what worked we actually there's a lot of cards that were on the random karmic generator that didn't make the cut because while they're funny in the random generator they're not really good cards to play with um right yeah and you know that and so rob took it to a ton of parties and get togethers and had people play and uh kind of fine-tuned it over time and then uh you know, once we thought it was ready, threw it up on Kickstarter, and uh, the rest is history. Yeah. Did you get a good one, Drew? I did get some good ones. <laughs> I've clicked there probably seven or eight now. You sound hesitant to share. Yeah. Um, I can't share that one. You can whisper it to me. Just whisper it to me later. Uh, oh, here's this one's okay. This one's more uh, safer work. Feeling better today, son? A dad says to his son, I guess. Then uh, he says, the son says, how about we inject heroin into our eyeballs? And then he gets, one of them gets beamed up into a like, spaceship or something, I assume. <laughs> okay. No, <laughs> so that makes total sense. Yeah, that's pretty good. Oh, that's, that's not the funniest I mean, one I, I saw, going to a, but yeah. I don't, I don't want to share the funniest one I saw. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get the explicit rating on iTunes for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, what has been the like? Wh- like, what? What are some cards that you? I wonder if you could share some because you said you've been involved a little bit in making some new cards for the game, and things like that. Is there? Are there some that stand out to you that I'm really p- proud of this moment that I created that was hilarious, or some combination that you contributed to that? Um, I'm trying to remember. I, I've written a handful of cards. I actually don't remember exactly what they were. We kind of. Our process is where we, we submit card ideas and then it eventually gets tested. And so mm-hmm. a lot of times I don't remember which ones they were. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know a couple of mine made it into um, our latest expansion, Deck Enhancement 3. And um, so I've got that. Um, in terms of something I'm particularly proud of uh, this year, our April Fool's Day joke was Joking Hazard Family Edition. And uh, that was my idea. And mm-hmm. so the the whole commercial is for a version of Joking Hazard that's safe for the whole family, and it's eight uh-huh. cards. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And so uh, we, worked, well done. We, we worked on that and put together a lot of uh, a lot of solid uh <laughs> Uh, a lot of solid videos. It was real fun. That's nice. See, that's why you're the that's why you're the marketing uh, closer <laughs> right there. That's you right. Just earned your title. Yes. That's cool. For an, for another year at least. Have you had like Have you ever had people come to you at conventions or just message you online and be like, "You're sick," or <laughs> like, "How did you guys come up with this?" Or that like get mad at you for the type of like edgy content that's in your game. We get, we get actually surprisingly not a lot of hate anymore. Um, so Cyanide and Happiness got started in 2004, 2005. Yeah. Uh, so it's been around quite a while. And that was when people were still scared about what to put on the internet. And so mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of adult humor. Um, there's adult content, but not a lot of adult humor. Mm-hmm. Um and so that idea of, of making inappropriate jokes wasn't quite there. So that got a lot of a lot of hate. Um, we still do. We st- if you go to Amazon and look at the 
joking hazard one star reviews most of them are people who bought the game and then complained that it was too inappropriate to play with their family Um, despite Mm -hmm. the numerous warnings uh, that we have (laughs) everywhere yeah Um, but yeah we've gotten hate mail we get uh, uh, we've never had anyone at a convention be angry with us or I haven't personally so uh, I'm sure it's happened. I would hope that most people would read, you know, would be wise enough to read warnings and know what they're getting into. Uh, but uh, but you can never really trust people to do the right thing completely. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> I was just curious. Well, uh, where are you from, Brett? We I'm talked orig- about this a little bit earlier, but our listeners didn't hear that. Yeah, so. I'm originally from Houston, but been in Dallas since 2007. Uh, that is the company is based out of DFW. Um so been here for 11 years nice and how did you get like connected with cyanide and happiness or, or not cyanide and happiness but explosive well we um every year uh explosive hosts a banana bar crawl uh so everybody dresses up like bananas and we go As around one does. yeah exactly yep. and um we host it open up to all our fans and we just dress up like bananas and go to the bar crawl yeah. Um, so I went to my first one, um, the first bar crawl, which I believe was 2008. So I happened to see on the website that that was happening in Dallas. And, you know, I had just moved to Dallas not too long ago and not too long before. And was what super were you stoked. doing at this point? Like, I was in college. You were in college. Okay. I was in, yeah, cool. I moved to Dallas for college in 2007. Yeah. And then, um, and then, uh, I went to, and Evan- you were at, Correct me if I'm wrong, but you were at a Christian college. That is correct. I went to uh, Dallas Christian College. It's my yeah. my alma mater. Were uh, many people oh from uh, Dallas Christian College sneaking off to bar crawls? Um, <laughs> n- more than you might think. <laughs> Was it so? Uh, I I went to a a Christian college for like a year. That's about as long as I lasted. <laughs> And it was like completely forbidden to drink alcohol at all. Like even if you were twenty one. Yes, we were. Uh, if you were caught drinking, like that was a that was a punishable offense. Yep. Was that the that case was for you? absolutely the case for us? Yeah, I would think so because Texas seems to be a little more conservative. Certainly. Yeah. I hope we didn't yep. put your degree in jeopardy by talking about this on the podcast. No, nope, nope. <laughs> I I eventually worked at the college for four years. So. Oh wow! So all wow. my you were deep under deep undercover. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, all the administrators found out. They, it was one of those situations. They didn't. They, it was easier because we had supporters from across the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so it was easier to just put like a blanket ban on it on drinking. It wasn't so much that they thought it was sinful. Um, right. so it wasn't a sinful mm-hmm. thing. Staff was allowed to drink, just not allowed to it talk about it. It was a CYA kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. um, so yeah, it was don't just, ask, don't tell, don't put it on Facebook so we don't get in trouble. <laughs> yep. That's, right. that's right. Gotcha. So anyway, you're sneaking anyway, off. Anyway, we this... interrupted the story. Yeah, yeah. You're, sneaking, you're off sneaking, to, off this sneaking off to a pub crawl. Bar crawl as a naughty Christian college student. That's right. Naughty banana Christian. And a banana. That's right. Um, so that was when I kind of first made my connection with them. I had been reading Side Night Happiness since 2005, 2006. Um, I was a sophomore, sophomore in high school. Uh, one of my mm-hmm. one of my good friends introduced me and. Um, 
So I'd been reading, so I was already a fan for several years, really excited that there was the bar crawl going on. So I actually went every year. Um, we've had 10 bar crawls. I've gone to all but one. Um, so I was able wow. to just kind of make some connections. So I was Facebook friends with a handful of people. So by the time a marketing position opened up, I saw the, you know, people posting about it on Facebook saying, Hey, we're hiring someone for marketing. Uh, and I was like, I do marketing. So that's kind of how that, how that worked out. And then I just applied and went through an interview process just like any other, any other job. Yeah. So were you, um, doing marketing for your, for your Christian college at that point? Yes. So I got started in the admissions office and then, uh, I moved to the marketing department and then I was doing, I did marketing for. So what was that shift like from what a, marketing? What a, what a shift. <laughs> that's a, either, that's either from rags to riches or riches to rags, whichever way you look at it, I guess. <laughs> uh, how many, how many crowns did you lose for making this, uh, this change? Oh man. I'm just I, kidding. I don't think I lost any. <laughs> Probably lost more at the college than. Oh wow! Oh, shots fired, Ooh. man. Just, Whoa, just kidding. Just way. kidding. But what, just what kidding. I am curious, like that—that that must have been like, just in terms of like work culture, a pretty distinct shift from going to a place that hosts comics like Cyanide and Happiness, from a pretty sounds like a pretty conservative Christian college. Yeah, absolutely. It was a big shift. Um, uh, so it was really the the culture at the college. I, you know, I was on the the younger end, um, uh-huh. <laughs> so so it was mostly life stage difference in terms of my interaction with with my coworkers. Um, obviously. A culture that going from a culture that prayed regularly, uh, that valued, you know, quiet time and spending time with God, uh, going over to a fully secular company was was a big shift. Yeah. Um, that would that would probably be be the biggest. And and now I am uh, on the older end of people that work for Cyanide and Happiness. So yeah, um, so that yeah. Going from kind of the the child on campus to one of the the w- seemingly wise people uh, was also a big <laughs> shift. Yeah, uh, no one came to me for problem solving when I worked at the college. So yeah, right. But now you're now they call you grandpa. Yeah, basically. Now you're keeping Grampy. all these Gen Z people on task, or something That's right. like that. Maybe. <laughs> uh, so so we kind of touched on this already but i guess you grew up going to church and stuff or was that a part of your upbringing yeah so um i was raised um until i was 12 in uh, a not well-known church that was very old testament based so until i was oh, 12 i had to keep all the holy days obey the kosher food laws um we went to church on saturdays uh, we weren't allowed to celebrate anything that had any pagan origins. So no Easter, um, uh, no Christmas, no Halloween. Um, yeah. So uh, I was a part of that church. And um, so I... This is because of your parents or... Yes, yes. So okay. my mom my mom was raised in it. My dad was not raised particularly religious. Um, his parents were Baptist, 
not by name only, um, at least yeah. at the time. Yeah. Um, and then when uh, when my dad married my mom, he's like, "Well, I guess we're going to going to your church." So um, <laughs> he has dads do. <laughs> so they. Uh, yeah, so they raised they raised us in that, and then around and that, and he was like, "What? I can't eat bacon." <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was he was sad about that. He was more sad yeah. about shrimp. He was sad about yeah. losing out on shrimp. Uh, <laughs> then when we were around twelve, um, what was the what was the church called? Uh, so it's had a bunch of splits, but it was originally called Worldwide Church of God. Uh, okay. It was founded by a guy named Herbert W. Armstrong. Um, and at one point, it really was at, at the church's height in the seventies or so. It was literally worldwide. I've I've done missions work in Germany with a pastor who was raised in Germany who grew up in the Worldwide Church of God. Huh, um, interesting. And so the, there was at the even when I was young, there was probably at least two congregations in every major city in the U.S. and yeah. usually. At least one, usually two. So there's two in Houston, two in Dallas, one in Austin. And, you know, uh, that's not just, you know, Texas. That was all across the U.S. Um, yeah. yeah. So the church split became what's was called United Church of God. Uh, and then that has split again. And it's currently called Church of God, a worldwide association <laughs> or the United <laughs> The United Church of God split. Yes, <laughs> I just didn't. I didn't want to miss that. Yes, the that's that's right. Yep. And so now yep. it's the Church of God, a worldwide association, or Cagua for short. Yeah. Um, mm. So, do they still oh, like do all the the kosher yes. food laws and things? Yes. Okay. Um. So there, there's some other key differentiators they're actually binatarian they're not trinitarian they do not believe in the divinity of the holy spirit um oh. which was interesting to which was an interesting shift for me um yeah. so yeah by the time i was 12 my parents started reading the new testament uh, a little more thoroughly and realizing <laughs> hey we've 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 been set free from this stuff um yeah. and so um uh, they they said, "Hey, we're we're going to leave this church." That was a huge shock for me uh, at twelve yeah. years old. Mm. But essentially, what I felt like not only was it a big transition, uh, but worldwide slash united, uh, it was it was pretty much official doctrine that we were the only right ones, and that even Christ believing Christians who did not keep the law were not part of you know would not would not enter in would not go to heaven uh would not inherit the kingdom um so this was for me not just a okay we're gonna have a slight shift in doctrine this was you know this is wrong um i remember arguing with my mom and my aunt uh telling them that it's it's absolutely ridiculous we would never celebrate christmas that i can't believe that they would be okay with that with these pagan horrible Mm. pagan traditions um so you were like more zealous for this than your parents um at this time obviously my parents had been my my parents you know if you would have asked my mom 10 years before we left she would have said the same thing there's no way she would have ever yeah she would have ever left um and your dad was just like well i just do whatever she does (laughs) no he was actually (laughs) at this point he was pretty uh pretty ingrained and now he's now he's an incredible incredible uh spiritual leader so 
Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we left the church. My parents found, you know, we started church shopping for the first time in our lives. My mom grew up in it. And then my dad, you know, had never really gone to church. So the first time in our lives, we found ourselves church shopping. And, and I'm uh, kind of curious too, like, sorry, I keep asking questions about no. this, but, but interrupting your story. But so when it kind of clicked for them that this, there's something off about this, did they immediately like change their diet and stuff? No, no. They wanted to, they kind of weighed everything, continued searching, and they waited till we officially left the church before yeah. kind of doing more. And so it was a slow progression into it. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, because like, I think there's a temptation when we sort of realize we're wrong about something or like our, our views on something changes. You know, I think the temptation would be to just like, all right, we're celebrating Christmas. We're going to have an Easter egg hunt tomorrow. And I'm going to cook up <laughs> some make shrimp. Make up for all the and, ones we lost. <laughs> like, you know, and just do it all and like throw yourself at it completely. But it seems like your parents were trying to be more wise and, yeah. and sort of like, hey, let's figure this out. And, well, there, there were a lot of social implications as well. It was very, sure. you know, there, there was a lot of... Uh, you would imagine that's not the type of church you leave, and people are just like, "Oh yeah, sure, cool, go yeah. go visit uh, <laughs> go visit the Methodist church down the street." No biggie. Right. They weren't they weren't exactly spiteful, but there was uh, we we certainly became social outcasts uh, yeah. amongst mm-hmm. Pe- mm-hmm. people we had been friends with our entire lives. Um, yeah, and and oftentimes because those are that was your social circle, so oftentimes you're talking about people my mom has known since she was a child growing up into the church. So, um, right. Losing, losing, you know, a lot yeah. of friends, um, you know, well, uh, good on your parents, you know, I was just going to say the same thing, man. Like that's like a lot of super brave just, of them. Just look that's at that's the, hard. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people would just look at the social stigma and go like, well, we'll just put up with it because I don't want to deal with, yeah, but it sounds like they yeah. tried to make the decision that was best for you and your family, you know. Yeah, despite absolutely. The cost. It was, uh, it, you know, looking back, it was uh, very, very grateful that the that they did that they proceeded with wisdom, uh, they proceeded with prayer, um, all the all that good stuff. So, yeah. So after after that, we finally we found a church and. Um, it, it was. It still is. Uh, this church that we found is still my gold standard for churches. It was an absolutely wow. incredible mm-hmm. community. Um, just a very strong Bible believing people who wanted to do nothing more than to serve God and to do and to love people doing it. Um, so they were That's very right. active in outreach and missions, um, and in ways that I think a lot of other churches miss. Um, that you know, we went out once a month and just mowed lawns around the neighborhoods, around the uh, the church. Just nothing yeah. more than saying, "Hey, we're we're guys from Northside Christian Church, uh, and we just want to mow your lawn for free." And that was it. Yeah. Um. Just a lot of really cool outreach stuff like that. And are so, there any people from Northside that live in Nashville that want to mow? <laughs> I'll, I'll, well i think brett brett will still do it he's still doing yeah, it i'll just so. show up he'll just one he'll day oh, hey, there's brett. in his banana in his banana suit <laughs> i've got like four banana suits at this point so yeah impressive <laughs> um 
so yeah, that it was, they showed me a side of faith that I didn't realize I was missing. Mm. Um, yeah. It was, it, it was very eye opening, and they taught the Bible faithfully, and so uh, they were very open to my questions, and so I came with all these questions, and um, I was able to sit I down. I just love that. Oh, I'm like I'm literally getting chills because I feel like even on this podcast we hear so many stories about hurt. Mm-hmm. caused by churches and church communities and like just to hear to hear about the rare uh you know story of healing unicorn unicorn that is a good church or a healthy church or a good representation like i just love hearing that so i'm glad you had that experience yeah i don't know that it's a unicorn i think it's like i mean i understand feeling that way i think it's that like good churches like that don't you, you just don't hear about them enough. You know what I mean? They're out mm-hmm. there. It's just for whatever reason, like yeah. it's the stories of hurt that get amplified sometimes or, or don't get addressed. But, you know, like even, even here, like yeah. with most of our guests, like they, yeah. you know, they grew up in a church or grew up in like a religious <laughs> setting and it was a hurtful experience mm-hmm. or like not an experience they look back on fondly yeah um, when we hear a lot of so people yeah, too really cool. on this show come in and say like part of why they left the church right was because yep. they had a bunch of questions that weren't really welcome you know like yep. they they the when they asked questions they felt like they were um shut down or um kind of like treated as if they were a threat to the church by asking questions, you know? Right. And so your story of coming into this church after being in a, in a confusing and difficult and hurtful in some ways situation with your other church where you, your parents were like, you know, ostracized and things and like so- socially, you know, mm-hmm. um, to come in and to a situation where like people welcome you to ask questions. That's um, like, that's really encouraging to hear yeah it was um it it was really really awesome um in any question i had uh you know they they let me sit down love you know without and they welcomed me with open arms and just ask away because they firmly believe that um you know that god is truth so if god is truth then you know he can't be taken down by difficult questions Um, Mm. so, so that was, that was, I was encouraged in in fact to ask questions because they felt like the, the more I questioned, uh, the more I would find answers and the the right answers. Um, yeah, you know, and obviously they helped guide me and all that, but it it was, it was really wonderful. So, um, so yeah, I, after that, um, it took a lot of getting used to, um, obviously transitioning churches like that. But after that, sure. um, you know, I, it made sense to me. It, it made a lot of sense. And so, um, been, been, um, I, I guess, um, you, you know, I, I would have always considered myself a Christian, but I've kind of been a little more focused, uh, ever since then versus coming out of the, the old church. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So, um, so you, you got started with 
uh, with this church, and then you went to this Christian college. I guess that probably came out of, to some degree, your your Christian upbringing and stuff. Did you? What was your plans when you went to this college? Were you wanting to go into ministry, or you just wanted to go to a Christian university? Um, it's kind of a uh, an interesting. I was actually talking about this with some of my college friends last night. Um, and it's, it was kind of a, uh, an interesting, uh, how I ended up there. I had always planned on being a chemical engineer, um, or at least an engineer of some sort. I loved chemistry. Um, it was a natural fit for me to be a chemical engineer. So, uh, I applied it's a little different than marketing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I had, uh, applied to A&M. Um, I was offered a full ride scholarship to to study chemical engineering and um halfway through the summer between my senior year and my freshman year of college i just did not think uh i started talking to chemical engineers and realized that just did not sound like something i wanted to do um you know i talked to a guy who has a master's in chemical engineering and his job was to maintain spreadsheets of pipeline pressures and I was just yeah. like, man, that sounds that sounds boring. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking chemical yeah. engineer. I'm going to be working at like 3M or something, like a bad scientist. Um, yeah. And then to find out that blowing stuff up. <laughs> yeah. And then to find out it's mostly desk work and you know running spreadsheets. Um, right. That just didn't sound good to me. Um, and the only other place I had applied was to Dallas Christian College, and that was at my parents' urging because. Uh, they're like, you should apply to more than one school. I was like, but I've already been accepted. Yeah. I, I have no need to. And so uh, they said, gosh, why are, why are parents always right? I know it's, <laughs> it's infuriating. Screw them. So I, not your parents are probably lovely. Just I'm a, sure. Just parents in general, in general, <laughs> yeah. their wisdom or. Uh, yeah. So, um, Really, it was at, at their urging, and so because that was the only other place that I had um, applied, I was like, well, I guess this is where I'm going. And um, I was interested in learning more about about Christianity in general, about my faith, because I was very engaged at my church. I was very um, academically inclined about around the Bible. I wanted to learn more. I wanted to, mm-hmm. to explore the philosophy and the history of scripture. So um, I, I ended up majoring in biblical studies uh, with no real intent on going into ministry. It was certainly a possibility, yeah. but there was no real intent. Um, so when, when I got there, I just, I, I fell in love with theology uh, I, I thought it was fascinating. Um, I majored in biblical studies, minored in biblical languages, so I fell in love with Greek. Uh, New Testament Greek is just such a such a beautiful language, and I, I realized how much more there was to be able to understand about the Bible than just the surface level. Uh, and I think that's one of the beautiful things about the Bible is that it's a very basic message. Uh, mm-hmm. but can be studied so deeply and has so many intricacies uh, that are also very important. So I fell in love with it. Um, and then uh, after I graduated, um, I had worked in churches and had 
just didn't really see that ministry clicked for me. So um, I was working at Starbucks for a few months and the position opened up in the admissions office and I was like, well, I need to do something. So, uh, so that's how I kind of ended up there. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of made some comments about this before, but uh, you know, you went from obviously working in these pretty conservative circles in the church to working for an organization that I think like kind of like, uh, you know, it's pretty edgy. <laughs> like, and, yeah. uh, and obviously Joking Hazard is a game that has a rep- re- uh, reputation for being pretty edgy, like like Cards Against Humanity level edginess of, mm-hmm. and not safe for workness. Uh, what do you... Or, well, I guess maybe ask what you think of... Like, do, do people, like Christians around you, find that... Like concerning, or do they ever get concerned about what you do? do? Does it, or does it bother you on any level? It doesn't bother me, for the record. I'm not like accusing <laughs> you. I'm just sure, curious because sure. there's all these weird, you know, I think stigmas we have as like as well, Christians I think sometimes too, for stuff like that. To help frame this, like we have a lot of Christian listeners, and we get questions very often. Um, you know, sometimes from parents, or sometimes just from you know Christians that are like. Oh man, you know, it, uh, uh, concerned about content, you know, like, oh, am I allowed to play this game or am I allowed to watch this thing? Or, you know, is Game of Thrones a one-way ticket to hell? Like, um, so I think hearing from someone like you that's working in an area that some people would be like, oh, well, that's just, you know, utter blasphemy. I think it'd be really interesting to hear from you, like what your thoughts are on that kind of stuff. And, um, Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I've definitely received a lot of uh, uh, disdain from many Christians. Um, <laughs> Sounds like you're being nice. Um, you know, um, my mom has struggled a lot as well with me working uh-huh. here um, and much of my other, my extended family as well. Um, and so. And, and so it's really funny. So they find themselves in a conundrum because I was the good Bible college. I was, you know, kid and I was always the one who, yeah. you know, led family Bible studies. I was the one everybody came to for Bible questions and they saw me as this really devout yeah. guy. And now all of a sudden they're concerned about that. But at the same time, um, they still have this view of me. And so they're not really sure where that fits in. Um, You're you're backsliding, bro. <laughs> that, that's definitely definitely the view of a lot of people. Um, yeah. But the so it comes from, I guess, really two main two main points. Um, when I when I read the Bible, um, my understanding uh, of Jesus is has always been a focus on loving people. Um, We are told first Corinthians 13 faith, hope, and love. uh, But the greatest is love. Like Paul literally says, love is more important than faith. Um, Mm -hmm. We are told that loving God and loving your neighbor, um, that the entire, you know, law and the prophets, the entire entirety of scripture hangs on, on those two commands. Um, And, yeah, and when uh, <laughs> yeah. when um, when Jesus is is you know 
when when Jesus is constant Jesus is constantly accused of doing inappropriate things and his answer mm-hmm. is always um He's loving. He's loving them. So he's accused of getting in trouble for hanging out with prostitutes and hanging out with sinners and doing all these things that are considered not not good, not right. you know, not what a good Jewish person would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's saying this, no, but this is what a good Christian would do. Um, yeah. And so finding himself, he found himself in a, himself in a lot of questionable situations uh or at least from the outside looking in questionable um yeah socially mm-hmm. from a religious perspective yeah. right and um and so i i don't see you know i the so studying the greek i really wish that they uh this translated but there are a handful of times that profanity is used in the new testament mm-hmm. um paul certainly uses it gasp (laughs) jesus says some things that what we might not consider profane but calling the disciples stupid would have been considered quite profane you know in the Uh new testament time um things that he said were you know very questionable like like i said um and so and then i i think there's at least one solid uh i don't know if i can say this on your podcast but uh at least do at it. least one I'm solid ready. reference to Paul making a dick joke. Um, yes, where he is, he where he's he saying, "Hey, if you guys, if you yeah. guys are gonna, you know, go, if you think circumcision saves you, why don't go away the, the whole way and cut it all off?" Um, yeah. yep. I, that is not that's not Paul being spiritual. That is Paul being like making a joke. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people read that as Paul being really angry. Yeah. And but I think, but I do think you're right. There's like some humor there. Yeah, it's not just being. He, he jests. He jests. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He so um, he, he certainly was. He certainly was angry at the time uh, as well. But I think he's also using a ridiculous, almost satire to prove a point. Right. Um, yeah. Right. So all that to say, I, I, I what I see in the New Testament is what has traditionally been called Christian morals um, is called into question by the New Testament. Um, and so in terms of, in terms of social interactions, I suppose um, I, all that to say, I would, I would feel comfortable standing before Christ telling him how I love people. And I think he would say to me, well done, my good and faithful servant. Um, Mm. so the second part to, to, you know, where I'm at is I am put in a unique position to love on people, um, that have been, that most certainly are not Christian, um, and in the entire office, um, there are only two other Christians, um, Mm -hmm. and one of them is still, you know, still exploring a lot. So I, I find myself, you know, we have 30 people in our, in our office here in Dallas. And mm-hmm. so I find myself in a situation where, where I'm with a lot of non-believers and I get to simply love on them. Um, yeah. And I get to answer their questions and I am frequently told, um, I, I, I've been told by a coworker, if I had met you when I was still, 
struggling with my faith, I would have never left the church. Hmm. Yeah. And so I, 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 I'm, find myself in, like I said, in this unique position to be able to communicate to people who don't frequently get it. I get to answer their questions. I get to, um, and and they feel comfortable coming to me. And I think like y'all had talked about, um, almost everyone I work with, um, in fact, I would wager probably 95% of them have been deeply hurt by the church. Um, you know, deeply, such a common story. And so, Um, I wonder too, like, is that, uh, is it a common story period or is it a common story with nerds? Because like everybody that we have on this podcast, like we're all nerds. They're either making games or they're in the industry in some way, you know, video games, board games, whatever. Um, So is it like, is it that, is it that commonality that uh, they're nerds or is it just a common story period? You know, I wonder that. Um. I think so. I think a, it is a large group of nerds. Uh, they are because they are people who are somehow interested in things that have been deemed uh, not okay. Something like Dungeons and Dragons, or or something that has been vilified by Christianity, and they're saying, "Man, I'm yeah. just." into this i'm having fun doing this there's nothing wrong with it and it's been vilified or even things like you know video games have been vilified uh to some extent by a lot of society and um Mm -hmm. you know especially parents saying oh they see a couple of violent video games then all of a sudden you're not allowed to play any video games and so i think it's certainly certainly the case in my experience that a lot of people who are nerds have been um, hurt by the church because of where their interests lie. Um, yeah. And I, I think nerd culture as a whole is very, very accepting. And so mm-hmm. they have found themselves from a place of rejection to a place of acceptance. And right. so they're able to not only say, I was rejected by the church, but they are now able to say, but I've been accepted by this community. And so they're able to mm-hmm. see to a certain extent what what a loving community looks like. And so they're also, they're able to see what they were missing in a church. So it's not just, I was right. hurt by the church, but it's, I didn't receive the nurturing from the people who claimed to be the nurturers of the world. Right. Um, so that has definitely been my experience that a, that a lot of, you know, a, a bulk of our staff are animators and um, you know, and so they, they grew up watching a lot of cartoons and you know, a lot of cartoons were vilified by the church. And so, right. You know, but that's what they were into. That's what they're interested in. And so just by the very reason of the things that they just happen to enjoy, they've been outcast by the church. And then, you know, on top of that rejected, oftentimes outright rejected. What so have have some people who you have these conversations with come around like your parents and things have they come around to to what you do at all? They've some of my extended family understand. Um, my my mom is still she's at a place where she kind of has just accepted it, but still doesn't like it. Um, yeah, she's mm-hmm. like, well, you just can, gave up. Yeah, she's like, you can still love on people elsewhere. Um, and I'm like, that's just not those people. So I'm just like, you know, I get to, 
you know, these are, these are people who this, the cross you have to bear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> these, are, these are people who intentionally avoid religious people, and uh, so yeah. I don't, you know, I don't believe these are people that I could talk with. You know, I might That's be able to talk right. with them at a social interaction, but in general, it would be very difficult. Um, mm. Yeah, that's one of the things I love about this podcast is that, um, yeah, I don't think there's a lot of avenues to hang out with and have like a like a personal conversation um, with people who are opposed, like per, like like not just don't want to go to church, but like are pretty opposed to the idea, mm-hmm. you know. And this podcast gives yeah. provides, I think, some people a safe place to have those kind of conversations in a way they're not going to feel threatened. But mm-hmm. um, I hope, hope, yeah. I hope to some degree they feel like loved and valued because we really do make an effort to to value. We we never have anyone on this podcast whose work we don't respect, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so right. so you kind of come into the show knowing like, hey, we we think what you do is rad and like has value, right. inherent value, and we think you as a person, as a creative person have inherent value. Um, and I think when you come with that perspective, like there's an opportunity to open up relationships that we didn't think were possible before. Right. Yeah. I certainly find myself in that situation where, um, because I was, I grew up in a church that welcomed questioning. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, like I said, I I think God's big enough to handle any question we have. Uh, you know, so, so they come to me and they, they come to me with honest questions because I'm not scared to, to answer. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and they actually want to sit down and they want to listen and hear what I have to say. Um, so, so yeah, people who were previously hostile, um, to Christianity, um, or not maybe some of them are were certainly hostile and others you know perhaps just not interested are now right having conversations with me yeah isn't it amazing what love and listening can do <laughs> like if we just just stop with the antics and mm-hmm. just be a loving person mm-hmm. like it's so like it's what I love about conventions is we get to be around a bunch of people that wouldn't be caught dead in a church, mm-hmm. you know? And cause I'm a Christian, like I'm in church. Most of the people that I hang around with are church people mm-hmm. and going to conventions. Like I get to be around other people that aren't the same as me. Um, and maybe in some cases are opposed to what I think and feel. And I think that's really healthy to be around people that are different than you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And it gives us the opportunity to like be a different and what we hope better representation of who Jesus is to them, Yeah, you know, and say like, Hey, actually you're loved and accepted and valued contrary maybe to what you've heard or felt in the past. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and it's amazing, like, what that can open up, like you're saying. Yeah, and I actually find myself, you know, actually, I think more more often than not, than people just asking me questions, I find myself in a position where people want want to talk and I get to listen. Mm. Uh, I get yeah. to hear their story and not, and they don't feel judged by it. Yeah, and, um, 
Yeah. And, you know, most people, you know, I hang, I hang out with a, lot, a whole lot of my work friends, but most of the people, you know, my best friends are all, you know, well, they're all church friends or people I went to college with. So most of my yep. best friends are in ministry. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, it, actually, which is really fun because most of them, actually all of them to, to my understanding, my closest friends uh, are very supportive of what I do um, mm-hmm. because they, they're, ju- they're just so excited that I'm able to, to reach people that they don't. Uh, yeah. And right. And even potentially couldn't, even at a place like a convention, because when it finally comes out that they're a pastor, people tend to shut down. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I know that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, you know, we don't always get into this kind of stuff on the podcast because we have a lot of people in here who are who are not Christians or um, come from a different faith background or, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, a lot, lot of agnostic and atheist people on this podcast, but... I really appreciate what you're saying because I think sometimes um, some Christian folks and maybe some even who are listening to this podcast think of like being a Christian as like we're people who like proclaim the truth, which is true. Like we proclaim, I think the gospel's true and we're to, we're to proclaim it, but like they don't hear that love part that you were talking about, how like radically devoted to loving people Jesus was. And they see that as sort of like a byproduct of the first thing mm-hmm. of the proclamation, but not like integral to the proclamation. Like that is like, you can't, if you're not incorporating that into how you're, you're trying to do the proclamation part, like you're missing the boat. Like you don't, you yeah, you, you missed, you missed the point. Yeah. You, you cannot, you cannot, I mean, by Jesus's own, own words, you cannot separate you know, the gospel from, from yep. love. Um, yep. it's, and, and, you know, we're, we're told exactly how to love, um, you know, in the parable of the good Samaritan, it is gen- genuinely taking care of and caring for your neighbor. Yeah. And, uh, and that, that's it. And I, I often point out cause people like to, um, like to, just be like, oh well, the Good Samaritans, you know, it's just a, a Samaritan. And I point out that the best modern equivalent of Jesus telling the parable of the Good Samaritan would probably be the parable of the Good Muslim, um, mm-hmm. because yeah, Samaritans totally. were considered heretics by the Jews, and yeah. so, yeah, you know, I, I imagine if somebody came and started talking about here's how to love. Here's an example of a Muslim loving uh, that would be met with a lot of opposition. Um, this in the yeah. exact same yep. way that that it was with Jesus, and so I think Jesus yeah. did that very intentionally to prove his point um, yep. to the Pharisees, and right, and so you know it, it is it is you know the the gospel is you know it start it, it is it is love. It starts with god's love and ends with our love to our neighbors Mm, that's good well i appreciate it man that's uh i appreciate you uh uh making me want to get all preachy so (laughs) (laughs) which i almost never do on this podcast so but it was fun i really enjoyed it um we'll have to do you still read your greek new testament yeah yeah i it's 
I'm not as practiced as I used to be, but I um, usually follow along in the Greek uh, during sermons oh and stuff goodness, like that. You're so one of those. I took a I took a semester <laughs> of Greek and got a B. There you go. Nice. So that's I don't remember any of it. Hey, you you know still I took Giro, but it's not Giro. It's like a Giro. You have to. So you didn't take biblical Greek. Well. Biblical Greek no, is basically I did. Yeah, useless. It was ancient, oh, no, it was okay. ancient, ancient Greek. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I only got a B because there was this girl that liked me, and she made me study with her all the time. And I'm like, well, it's helped me get good grades. That's that's yeah. that's lucky. <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, I, I I loved I loved the Greek. There's just so much there cool. that yeah. is so difficult to translate easily into English because uh, oh, it's yeah. it's yeah. a very yeah. precise language. I took 18 hours in, in seminary, so I Boom. share your love for it, although I've not, I don't read my Greek New Testament anymore, so. I'm, I'm trying to get back, I'm trying to get back into it, I, but I, I'd love to get back into oh. actual exposition rather than, yeah. than just I'll pray for you guys. Reading. We'll have another podcast <laughs> where we talk about uh, exposition and. We'll just do the whole podcast in Greek. Parse Greek verbs and stuff. <laughs> That's <great>. right. <laughs> For the masses. People love that kind of content on podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, no, this is great, Brett. Thanks for coming on, man. Absolutely. It's, it was really enjoyed yeah, it. I appreciate it. Yeah. Any um, like projects that you guys are working on that you would want to pitch here? I know you mentioned Rapture Rejects already, but um, yeah, anything you want to want to push before we go? Um, I don't think there's any other projects I'm allowed to talk about, so just keep, oh, keep looking. Are you sure you dun, don't want to talk dun. about one you're not allowed to talk about? <laughs> it's your last chance. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I respect that. Cool, man. Well, uh, so when can people expect to see? I know you said Rapture Rejects is an early access, so people can go ahead and go play it now. Where where do they find it? It's on Steam. Uh, they can they can grab it from Steam. Um, I think it's thirty dollars or twenty nine ninety nine. Um, and we have a lot planned for it. Um, right now we're we're still working on mechanics, making sure everything's working well but um we have mm-hmm. a lot of really good stuff planned down the road for it so uh cool i think it's i think it's a lot of fun uh and i think it's a little easier to jump into as a battle royale as opposed to like Fortnite or something yeah, like right. that um Fortnite so, stresses me out I, right so. right i yeah. i yeah. tried and i'm just like man this is too much i don't play video games to like raise my anxiety i play them to lower it <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> although but i think you know if you jumped into like early access rapture rejects like <laughs> you're able to kind of be there as the meta is developing i feel like now if you tried to jump in to Fortnite or PUBG as a new player like <laughs> You're just yeah. Everybody already knows what they're doing. The meta is already there. Yeah, you have to have like, like a how guide. How would you even? You know, yeah, like it's, is yeah. Guide you. But hey, jump into Rapture Rejects. You get to help create that meta. Yeah. Break the game. That's right. That's right. So that's a lot of fun. Um, you can expect to see Freak Apocalypse soon, um, and and that'll be that'll be really great. Um, like you said, point and click adventure, and it's set in the cyanide and happiness world. So it's a lot like. Mm-hmm. It's a lot like playing um, playing one of our animations. It's like like you get to cool. be involved with that story, and there's a lot of mm-hmm. prod, um, items you can interact with, and it's good. Yeah, probably lots of good potty humor. 
Absolutely. Literally <laughs> in the potty. You can go into the boys' bathroom. <laughs> nice. Great. <laughs> That's great, man. Well, cool. Well, thanks again, Brett. Uh, where can people find you online? Um, you can follow me. Uh, I think everything is my my handle is Brett A. Vance. It's B-R-E-T-T-A-V-A-N-C-E. And I, it's cool. me on Instagram, Twitter. Um, so, yeah. Come, nice. come cool. find me, ask me any questions Boom. you have. I just added you on, I just added you on Facebook. I hope it goes through. Uh, oh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> that'll be, it'll be fun Drew to find put out. in a good word for me. <laughs> yeah, I will. Boom. He's okay. Chris is all right. Added. Yep. Um, yeah. So wow, this... look at that customer service responded already. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Boom. Wow. Well, uh, you okay. can follow Love Thy Nerd on all the social medias. Just search for at Love Thy Nerd. We have a really great yeah. Facebook community. Just search for Love Thy Nerd Facebook. No, sorry, Love Thy Nerd Community <laughs> on Facebook. Don't search for Love Thy Nerd Facebook. Search for Love Thy Nerd Community on Facebook. So there's two things. Like our page on Facebook and then join, ask to join our community. And as long as you're not like like a robot, robot, we'll accept you into our community. That's basically the standard. Uh, And it's great. Lots of people talking about nerdy things and doing so in a loving way. I think we have one of the kindest, uh, most welcoming communities I've been a part of on Facebook. So go check that out. Um, consider supporting us. We can't do projects like this without your financial uh, support. We appreciate um, any way you would support us, your prayers, your your insight, your questions. Uh, you can send those to me, Drew, at lovelinerd.com. But, uh, but yeah, we also need um, money to make this thing run. So if you're interested in supporting the work that Loveliner does, um, just go to lovelinerd.com slash partner. Um, and that's basically it for us. Go check out our website too, lovelinerd.com. And we have a podcast network, lovelinerd.com slash podcast. You can check them all out. We have three of them. They're all great. Thanks again for listening. This has been Humans of Gaming. <laughs>